trip on another edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Dirk Christensen with you here as we get into our midday of all kinds of information on the way. And uh, we're going to go first. We always try to play uh, Where's Susan? And surprise! I'm in surprise! (laughs) That's how it goes sometimes, but not often. We've found her in the old stomping grounds here. And uh, you say that Nebraska has a new ambassador named, huh? You bet. Uh, Sydney Lineman is um, at the UNL, and she has just been recently named the American Angus Association ambassador. So we're going to hear more about what her role is going to be on a national level. She's been heavily involved locally and, and in the state of Nebraska in her showing and what she's done for the American Angus Association. So We'll find out more about that coming up at 12.45 with Bryce. Jump back to 12.19. Dewey's going to have the folks from Water Street Solutions. And then at 1.17, I catch up with the American Sheep Industry President, Mike Korn, and the work that's being done to expand the sheep industry across the nation. Okay. Uh, And uh, I want to skip back to Dewey here for just a second because (laughs) it it is kind of a, a loosely kept secret that Dewey... Uh, is a gourmet jerky and uh, meat stick maker. And uh, you had gotten yourself a supply of that, but unfortunately it doesn't have a happy ending. It does not have a happy ending. I put it in my briefcase, zipped my briefcase up, but not completely shut, and that was my first mistake. Mm -hmm. And this morning when I got up at 4.30, I noticed there was part of a Dewey's Chewy on the step. (laughs) And as I continued down the stairs, my briefcase is wide open, and I have two very content dogs today. <laughs> Those are very expensive treats for them dogs, oh, let me tell you. I hope they didn't get a hold of the jalapeno ones. No, they didn't, All but right. still. They should have been. Maybe they would have learned a lesson. <laughs> Susan, we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Sounds good. All right. It's uh, Jason Jorgensen on sports. State finals are set. Nebraska State High School football action as the semifinals took place yesterday in classes D1 and D2. We will give you the lowdown on that. Also, speaking of football, Nebraska could very easily be without its starting quarterback in Saturday's matchup at Penn State. Of course, Tanner Lee was knocked around on Saturday by Minnesota. Patrick O'Brien finished up that game, and it sounds like he'll take most of the snaps this week as Lee is in the concussion protocol. So what that means is he has to go through a number of different steps in order to see if he's okay to play. Yeah. Uh, whoever is back there on Saturday is going to have their hands full. Apparently that bell got rung pretty good. It did, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that the Nebraska offensive line struggled again to protect Lee, and that's been an issue all year long. Also, we'll talk some Husker basketball. They looked good last night. They got after it, took care of North Texas. There was no doubt about that. After the Huskers jumped out to a big lead, they're back in action on Thursdays. They travel to St. John's. And the UNK volleyball team is in action tonight as the quarterfinals start of the MIAA tournament. They were the co-champs. They're the number one seed. They will take on Emporia State tonight at 6. That should be a rockin' deal. You would hope so. 30-3. 30, 30 okay. Bob Brogan has a look at, at uh, business, sorry. Good stocks are headed lower in midday trading, giving up some small gains from the day before. Some retailers were posting hefty losses today, and technology and healthcare companies were also lower. President Donald Trump is planning an in-person appeal to lawmakers as that GOP tax cut plan faces a crucial vote in the House this week. Mm-hmm. So we'll be following that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that and other things coming up. Okay, and it's all coming up for you on Midday.
We're not going to tell you where, but Paul just found a place that is unmapped on the radar map here. We think it may be a, a, a relative to Area 51. <laughs> yeah, that's the number. I, was, I, I think I said Area 57, didn't I? So, but. <laughs> it's Heinz 57, Area 51. Yeah, where they won't let you see. It's the satellite blocks it out there. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, uh, what we do want to let you know is that there is a distinct area of cloudiness and a distinct area of sun developing across the state of Nebraska. There are those with and those without. And here's your ag weather brought to you by Coleman Repair. Yeah, we still have quite a bit of cloud cover into central and eastern Nebraska and also much about the western eastern two-thirds of Kansas right now. Looks like that clearing line to about O'Neill, Broken Bow, North Platte, McCook, and Colby in Kansas. And lots of sunshine, at least some sunny to partly cloudy skies into north central northwest Nebraska and also over southwest Nebraska in the western Kansas. But those clouds really hanging tough as you head farther towards the east. And it looks like that will be the case for today. And the divider between more of the sunshine in the west and then the clouds in the east is the trough of low pressure. It's currently from about west central Nebraska into northwest Kansas. Once again, that's the divider between more sun and milder conditions today to the west and more clouds to the east. That front or trough not expected to move a whole lot as we move through the day. So very little progress to the east for the sunshine is expected. A cold front, though, tonight will sweep south. Then will help to clear the clouds and turn our winds around to the north. Not expecting much of an impact on our temperatures behind this front. A westerly flow behind the front and off a ridge of high pressure to our west will keep our temperatures right near seasonal. The rest of the week with sunshine actually probably going to feel better tomorrow with more sunshine in the areas that are locked in the clouds for today. Now there is a chance of rain maybe mixed with some snow Friday night with another cold front in an area of low pressure. Expecting it to be a minor event, a few locations may see up to about a tenth to 20 hundredths of liquid precipitation. Maybe some light snow accumulations in far northwestern areas, but that's still quite up in the air as far as the forecasts go. Winds from the north will be gusty at times with the initial passage of that front. Otherwise, mainly dry with the gradual warming trend over the weekend before our next front early next week. In the long-term forecast, mostly warmer than normal temperatures are forecast for Nebraska, Kansas, and in fact, the western two-thirds of the U.S. Sunday through November 27th. Early on next week, eastern Nebraska and Kansas, a little closer to seasonal on the temperatures. There is the likelihood of below-normal precipitation for Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through the 27th. Weather factors affecting the market trade include continued expectation for eastern Midwest rain to disrupt their harvest and an improving chance for rain in central Brazil. Much of the week, mild weather should cover the western and central U.S., while cool conditions will prevail in the east. Over the weekend, this upcoming next weekend, a new blast of cold air will overspread the Midwest and east, along with breezy and rainy weather. That will disrupt the corn harvest once again in the eastern Midwest, especially towards Indiana and Ohio. Harvest progress also lagging about 10 days behind in Minnesota. Nationally, 17% of the corn and 7% of the soybeans are still in the fields. The better harvest progress will most likely occur in the long term for the Midwest when drier and cooler than normal weather is expected in those later periods. In the southern plains, favorable conditions remain for developing winter wheat after early season rain. A drying trend in the southern plains is possible with the emergence of La Nina closer to winter dormancy. The central Brazil rain pattern is improving for their planting and developing of soybeans. A drier stretch in the southern Brazil 
also helping out right now with planning progress ahead of rain later this week. And very warm to hot weather developed in crop areas of Argentina this past weekend. That should likely continue through tomorrow. Very little adverse impact is expected from that heat in central Argentina. All right. Well, we'll be looking for some uh, at least partially clearing skies here before too long, we hope. Yeah, it's just going to be a slow going. And farther east you go, the hopes aren't looking too good right no, now. <laughs> but the temperatures are, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, they really took off there. And this has been, as you were predicted yesterday, about the warmest temperatures we've seen in a while and probably will see for a while. Yeah, they're really enjoying a nice day. Southern Panhandle into northeast Colorado, low and mid-60s. So yeah. if you want to enjoy some nice weather, if you're locked in the clouds, just drive a few miles to the west. <laughs> okay, very good. And your uh, ag weather this hour, of course, brought to you by Coleman Repair. When you need weather anytime, krvn.com. Dewey Nelson with a market update on the Rural Radio Network. Still seeing those moderate losses in corn and soybeans. Corn at a two-month low. Livestock futures sharply lower. December corn, 337 and three quarters, down four and a half. March, 350 and three quarters, down four and a quarter. May, 359 and a quarter, down four and a quarter. Next December corn, 383 and a quarter, down four. November soybeans, settled today, 959, down four and a half. January is trading 968 and a half, down five and three quarters. March 980 down five and a half. Next November 982 and three quarters down five and a quarter. Chicago December wheat 427 and a quarter up three. March 444 and a half up one and a quarter. Kansas City December 426 and three quarters down three quarters. March 443 and three quarters down a half. Minneapolis December wheat 630 and a half down two and three quarters. March 644 and a half down two and a half. December live cattle now down a dollar twenty at one nineteen thirty seven. February one twenty five oh two down one thirty seven. April one twenty six twenty down seventy seven. June one eighteen fifty two down one thirty two. November feeder cattle one fifty seven forty seven down one twenty two, but bigger losses in the back months. January one fifty four forty two down two fifty five. March 152.60 down 202. April 152.72 down 205. December hogs 60.15 down 215. February 67.85 down 245. April 72.57 down 167. Right now the Dow is down 67 at 23,372. NASDAQ down 42 at 6,714. S&P 500 down 9 at 2,572. When every season can make or break the health of your farm, performance becomes personal. Get the most out of every acre with the best-in-class seed for the best-in-field farmer. You'll feel confident with exclusive DeKalb Genetics. Unmatched in its commitment to your farm and your yield, DeKalb could make all the difference come harvest. A history of success, a future of performance. That's DeKalb. For local yield results, visit nebraska.dekalb.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Don't guess, call EMS. Protecting a loved one's heart in your own begins with you. Do your part to save a heart. Call 911 immediately if you are experiencing any of these symptoms. Pressure, tightness, pain or squeezing or aching sensation in your chest or arms that may spread to your neck, jaw or back. Nausea, indigestion, heartburn or abdominal pain. Shortness of breath, cold sweats, fatigue, lightheadedness or sudden dizziness. Your pre-hospital health care professionals are ready to serve you. We're ready. Are you? Nebraska Department of Health and Human Services EMS Program. 
Raskin has been named the 2018 Angus Ambassador. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network with a midday check of your ag news. Sydney Linneman, who is a student at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, talks about what this means to her. It was... Uh, <laughs> it was it was a pretty amazing moment because it was some some stiff competition we had. There was contestants from all over the country and um, got the chance to to get to know them pretty well throughout the process. And there were some really really quality individuals. Um, when, when I was up on that stage, I really wasn't expecting to hear my name. A pretty amazing moment, nonetheless. Lenneman will get right to work in her role as an Angus ambassador. Uh, my first event is um, I'll be headed to Canada for the Goal Conference, which is a leadership conference for the uh, Canadian Angus Association. And then throughout the year, I'll be just traveling around the country, and I'll be headed to the NCBA convention in Reno, Nevada, and then um, Wooster, Ohio, to tour the certified Angus beef facilities, and uh, down to St. Joe to see the American Angus Association um, headquarters and uh, a few other destinations throughout the way. More on this story can be found at ruralradio.com. And members of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association gathered in Lexington on Monday for their 67th annual meeting. It culminated with a presentation of its Service to Agricultural Award to Dale Williamson. Williamson remarked on the mission of the NRRA, saying the mission was to provide timely and vital information to agriculture producers and the agriculture industry. That mission has never changed. Williamson served Nebraska Agriculture as the first director of the Nebraska Natural Resources Commission, a position he held for 30 years under six governors. The annual meeting included reports from stations and sales managers, a financial report, and election of three board of director positions. The three current board members were retained, including Elaine Redfern of Holdridge, Russ Anderson of Hyannis, and Debbie Borg of Allen. And America's 60,000 pig farmers continue to make progress in their quest for superior antibiotic stewardship to help protect people, pigs, and the planet. On their behalf, the National Pork Board is pleased to again celebrate U.S. Antibiotic Awareness Week and World Antibiotic Awareness Week with organizations such as the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This week of antibiotic awareness is a good time for those of us in the pork industry to reflect on our long history of accomplishments with antibiotics, such as using these medications responsibly and embracing the updated Pork Quality Assurance Plus certification program, said National Pork Board President Terry O'Neill, a pig farmer from Friend, Nebraska. As pig farmers, we are aware of issues such as antibiotic resistance, and we are dedicated to working hard to preserve the effectiveness of antibiotics both on the farm and in human medicine. And registration and housing for the 2018 Commodity Classic, which is taking place February 27th through March 1st in Anaheim, California, is now open. All registration and housing reservations should be made online. The 2018 Commodity Classic will be held at the Anaheim Convention Center. The schedule includes a robust lineup of educational sessions on a wide range of current and relevant topics and issues. Commodity Classic also boasts huge trade shows, the latest in agricultural innovation and technology, inspiring speakers, and an evening of entertainment and opportunity to network with farmers from across the United States. Information on how to register and when that is taking place again can be found at RuralRadio.com. That's a midday check of your Ag News. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network.
Today we talk about making decisions for the 2018 crop year with Jason Ladman, Director, Water Street Solutions. What's the right time to start thinking about the next crop year? Well, you know, that's a common question that we're asked frequently, and there are varying opinions depending on who you talk to. But here at Water Street, we have been working to project 2018 for the past several months already. And those meetings are going to continue even as harvest continues. But the thing is, farmers often get held up too long when it comes to doing forward-looking projections because of the seasonality of farming and because they don't even know how this year has turned out yet. And I understand that mentality. But there's a lot that competes for a farmer's time in the fourth quarter. But despite all the distractions, a financial projection should be near the top of anyone's list. And I'm not just talking about a lender-required cash flow. It's a lot more than that. I'm thinking about forward-looking, accrual-based projections that take a look at how a particular crop did from a financial perspective. And since multiple crop years could be involved in the same month in your checkbook, we need to keep those separated. And this forward-looking mindset is important because typically neither your cash flow projections or your farm books can very easily tell you whether or not you had a profitable crop year. Jason, when can we get started with this? Well, for as simple as the question is, the answer isn't always straightforward. As a farmer, you have to develop a mindset for this, and you have to be a student of the numbers. And if you don't think this way or believe it's important, then it's going to forever be a challenge. However, one way to get started is to toss away the belief that you need to wait to get your 2017 year-end balance sheet before you can actually start looking and planning for 2018. This is a huge setback in projection planning because it could keep someone waiting until mid-January, February, and I've seen even as late as March, which often doesn't allow enough time to make decisions based on what they find out because most purchasing decisions have already been made by then. Often our ag finance advisors help clients start projecting expenses for the next year before the farmer receives that new balance sheet. Then the advisor follows up once the balance sheet is available to make any alterations that have occurred. Our clients often find that having an accrual projection in their hands much earlier gives them time to use it in a relevant decision-making process for the upcoming crop year. Now, that might mean a decision like switching some acres between different crops due to revenue opportunities or holding off on an equipment purchase or actually moving forward with it. The information can guide you in both directions. And it's important to keep in mind that projections can only be as good as the accuracy of the numbers being used, which begs the question, are your farm books in good enough order for that? And do you know the revenue and expenses that are tied individually to each crop? You see, it's important for your books to be organized and in proper shape so that you can get the most helpful information out of them. So how else should we be prepared? Well, you can work on driving your decisions by asking questions like, what's my working capital like? How will it be impacted by this decision? And if I make this decision, how will it impact my 2018 overall? Do I have a goal around the success I want to achieve this year? This is a big one. Or saying this another way, what financial outcome would I have to reach to feel that my farm was successful? And please don't just say, make as much money as possible. That's not a goal. All decisions have an impact on where you're taking the farm, and the more specific you can be, the better you can gauge your progress. Now, of course, any budget or plan is only as good as how well you follow it. But though a plan or projection isn't going to be perfect, I recognize that it's still something to shoot for. So now that you're in the fourth quarter of the year, how are you feeling about 2018? Are you feeling ahead? Are you feeling behind? Or quite frankly, are you trying not even to think about it? Your answer may say a great deal about whether financial projection could be a fit for you. So if you're interested in knowing more about how accrual projections can help you make a difference in your 18 plans, please contact us here at Water Street. Do that by going to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528.
It's midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, the state high school football playoffs continued yesterday in Class D1. The state final next week will feature East Butler against South Loop. In Class D2, it was Blue Hill over Mullen. They will battle Bruning, Davenport, Shickley in the D2 final as they stop Fall City Sacred Heart 50-16. to James Palmer Jr. had 11 of his game-high 18 points in a game opening 25-2 runners as Nebraska put away North Texas quickly last night, 86-67 at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Glenn Watson Jr. added 15 points and four boards. Nebraska travels to St. John's on Thursday. UNK is the top seed in the MIAA Volleyball Tournament that begins tonight. The Lopers went 30-3 this year and shared the conference title with Missouri Western. Now tonight, they host eight-seeded Emporia State, who UNK knocked off twice during the regular season. Coach Squires talks about how the Lopers defeated them earlier this year. I think the first two matches became, you know, us just kind of, you know, I, I think making them really have to work to get kills and then kind of... Uh, our defense outlasting their offense, um, and, and that's kind of our formula this year anyway, is, you know, we're probably not the most potent offensive team we've ever had here. Tonight's match starts at 6 in Kearney. The Husker football team has started preparations for Saturday's game at Penn State. Quarterback Tanner Lee is in the concussion protocol. Head coach Mike Riley talks about how the Huskers will deal with his absence. You know, with with the the protocol that you go through, there won't even be early on in the in the sequencing. He he won't get any reps. Obviously, he's played a lot, and a decision about him can be made later when cleared, in, if in time. But at the same time, we are today practicing Patrick O'Brien as if he's going to start, and that's that really fits because Tanner won't be able to do anything anyway. NU plays at 13th-ranked Penn State on Saturday afternoon at 3 Central Time. And MIAA champion Fort Hayes State placed 8 on the all-MIAA first team as the honors were released today. Now the first team offense is led by Lincoln native Brooke Bulls of Central Missouri. He led the conference in rushing touchdowns with 8 and passing yards with almost 3,500. The MIAA Defensive Player of the Year is Fort Hay State's Nathan Shepard. Fort Hay State kicker Brandon Brown was Special Teams Player of the Year, and the MIAA Coach of the Year was Fort Hay State's Chris Brown. Now, UNK had two members make the third team in defensive end, Hinwa Alu, and safety George Brown. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Sports on KRVN at Midday, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, Woodhouse Ford in Blair, and Woodhouse Lincoln in Omaha. Patch early fog after 4 p.m. this afternoon, otherwise partly sunny with a high near 62. Tonight, patchy fog before midnight, then gradually clearing a low of 33, and then for Wednesday, sunny with a high near 54. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Registered voters of COZAD have until 5 p.m. today to have their special ballots returned to the Dawson County Sheriff's Office, Clerk's Office, excuse me, to be counted. On October 24th, COZAD registered voters received a ballot in the mail to choose to renew the 1.5% local sales tax for economic development. The sales tax has been in place since 1999 and has been used within the community. November is National Caregivers Month. Governor Pete Ricketts signed proclamations Monday recognizing the importance of caregivers who dedicate their time to care for a loved one. Co-chair of the Nebraska Caregivers Coalition, Susie Campbell, says the organization also wants to recognize those who care for those who have served their country. 
veterans are coming back with post-traumatic stress or loss of limbs, all of that. So we want to be very cognizant of recognizing those caregivers because that's a big task for many of them. Campbell says about 195,000 Nebraskans give unpaid time to parents, spouses, partners, and other loved ones who can no longer care for themselves. Advocates tied ribbons on the respite tree in the Capitol lawn, representing the different types of caregivers. That also includes a red, white, and blue ribbon for those who care for veterans. Members of the Nebraska Rural Radio Association gathered in Lexington on Monday for their 67th annual meeting. It culminated with the presentation of the Service to Agriculture Award to Dale Williamson. Williamson remarked on the mission of the NRRA. And certainly the mission was very clear when this was started. The mission was to provide timely and vital information to agriculture producers and the agricultural industry. That mission has never changed. The mission has expanded. It's statewide. Williamson served Nebraska Agriculture as the director of the Nebraska National Resources Commission, a position he held for 30 years under six governors. The Nebraska Rural Radio Association is owned by farmers and ranchers across the state. An interim legislative committee in Kansas is struggling to agree on where funding should come from to extend the life of the state's water resources. The Lawrence, Lawrence Journal-Star reports that a joint special committee on natural resources decided Monday not to recommend raising any fees to pay for projects that would prevent sedimentation in reservoirs or address blue-green algae. The committee instead said the legislature should fully fund its obligation to put $6 million of state general fund money into the water plan along with $2 million of lottery proceeds. Kansas State Water Plan Fund receives money from the general fund, lottery proceeds, and a wide assortment of fees charged to different classes of water users. Lawrence Republican Representative Tom Sloan says he's disappointed by the committee's decision. Put, it, put our app on your phone and listen to the podcast on the on-demand audio on your schedule. From the KRVN News Center, I'm Scott Foster. Listen on air all the time and our podcasts anytime. 880-KRVN and KRVN.com. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Duskett. For today's newsmaker, we are discussing the Angus Ambassador. To be considered for the Angus Ambassador, National Junior Angus Association members submitted a cover letter, a resume, and responded to two essay questions. The top candidates from that selection process were then invited to the 2017 Angus Convention for the final round of competition, which included interviews as well as a presentation followed by questions. The Angus Ambassador will represent the Angus breed at industry events throughout the U.S. and Canada. The 2018 Angus Ambassador is a native to Princeton, Nebraska, and attends the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. She joins me in the studio today to discuss more about her recently newly announced and new roles Sydney Lenneman, first and foremost, congratulations on the new position. So, Sydney, tell us more about yourself and your background with the Angus breed. Sure. Well, I come from a registered Angus operation about 20 minutes south of Lincoln. Um, we're a first-generation ranch, so it started out as just kind of a hobby for my parents on the side with the purchase of four cattle from a local sale barn, and then um, from there we've grown it for the past 
20 years or so and we're now up to about 300 head of cattle and have a, a bull sale in the spring that's kind of our the highlight of our year but um, I've just been blessed with a lot of opportunities that have come along with being a part of the uh, beef industry as a whole and um, specifically um, opportunities related to Angus cattle. It sounds like you've been around Angus cattle since you were very young. Now you attend the University of Nebraska and you decided that you wanted to be one of the you wanted to apply to be an uh, Angus ambassador. Tell us about the process of going through that. I gave us a little bit of introduction, but tell us more of the details behind that process. Yeah, so there was a application due back in July, um, and then from there they actually changed the contest recently, and so it used to be uh, kind of a a separate deal from the uh, Angus Convention, which is held every year, but now it's held in conjunction with the National Angus Convention, which travels around, and this year was in Fort Worth, Texas, and so um, there was five finalists selected that attended the National Angus Convention and then um, gave a presentation um, and then uh, went through a couple rounds of interviews and then um, just kind of got to enjoy the convention from there and then found out the results that that Monday so um, it was a it was an incredible experience to be able to be down in Fort Worth and connect with Angus producers all across the country um, and then uh, and then the opportunity to be able to serve as ambassador is something I'm really looking forward to so the results came in you were named the Angus ambassador for 2018 how did that feel it was uh, <laughs> it was it was a pretty amazing moment because it was some some stiff competition we had there was contestants from all over the country and um, got the chance to, to get to know them pretty well throughout the process, and there were some really, really quality individuals. Um, when, when I was up on that stage, I really wasn't expecting to hear my name. A pretty amazing moment, nonetheless. Certainly sounds like a fun moment for you to experience. So tell us more about your, your new role. So you will be representing Angus Breed at industry events throughout the U.S. and Canada. Tell us more. Uh, my first event is um, I'll be headed to Canada for the Goal Conference, which is a leadership conference for the uh, Canadian Angus Association. And then throughout the year, I'll be just traveling around the country, and um, I'll be headed to the NCBA um, convention in Reno, Nevada, and then um, Wooster, Ohio, to tour the certified Angus beef facilities and, uh, down to St. Joe see the American Angus Association um, headquarters and uh, a few other destinations throughout the way. But It sounds like they are going to keep you busy throughout the uh, 2018 year. That's the plan. <laughs> so tell us, uh, what are some of your goals and, and your ideas of what you want to have accomplished uh, throughout the year? A few of my goals would be just to meet as many people as I can with, with a wide range of you know, opinions and perspectives and backgrounds. I think um, what I'm anticipating is seeing a new side of um, kind of the industry and, and, and meeting people that don't necessarily have the same um, backgrounds or, or thoughts or ideas on um, cattle, Angus cattle, um, and, and to be able to be challenged and be a, um, a, a good, positive representative and voice for the industry. So now you are attending the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. You are studying animal science. Tell us about your future plans, Sydney. Like I said, I'm a sophomore at UNL studying ag economics and animal science. Um, and so 
I guess what I want to do with that in the future is, is not set in stone. Um, this summer, I, I took an internship working on with the Rural Futures Institute on a, a rural economic development project in North Platte, Nebraska. And so um, maybe something like that in the future. Um, there's always the option to go back and um, kind of make some, some changes and, and put in more of a management role on our um, operation. So, so we'll see where it takes. That was the 2018 Angus Ambassador, a native of Princeton, Nebraska, and she now attends the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, where she's a sophomore, Sydney Lenneman. Sydney, thank you for joining me and talking more about this. Thank you. All right. Reporting for the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Dusky. Good afternoon. Dewey Nelson with a market report on the Rural Radio Network. December corn is on track for a new contract low. And January soybeans threatening a new five-week low. Soybean meal is also on track for our lowest close in over a month. So we've got all kinds of bearish developments here. Shortly before the close, wheat, though, steady to slightly higher. December corn, 337 and a half, down four and three quarters. March, 350 and three quarters, down four and a quarter. Next December, 382 and three quarters, down four and a half. January soybeans, 968 and a quarter, down six. March, 979, down six and a half. Next November, 981 and a quarter, down six and three quarters. Chicago, December wheat, 427 and a quarter, up three and a quarter. March, 444 and a half, up one and a quarter. December Kansas City wheat, 427 and three quarters, up a quarter. March, 444 and a half, also up a quarter. Livestock futures took a big hit today as we were seeing a lot of triple digit to sharply lower losses. December live cattle settled 119.50, down 107. February 125.15, down 125. April 126.02, down 95. June 118.35, down 150. November feeders 157.62, down 107. Heavier losses in the back months. January 153.90, down 307. March 151.87, down 275. December lean hog settled 59.97, down 232. February 67.50, down 280. Latest from Wall Street. The Dow Industrial Average down 47 points at 23,392. NASDAQ down 29 at 6,729. And the S&P 500 down 6 at 2,575. It's time to rethink what you know about clean American propane and what it can do for your operation. Want efficient, reliable power independent of the grid? Propane can do that. Power for EPA-compliant engines without all the extra fluids and filters. Propane can do that. Eliminate fuel theft. Lower hourly fuel costs. Reduce downtime. Propane can do all of that. Discover all the things propane can do on your farm at propanecandothat.com. Plant for success with the soybean seed that's bred to protect and perform. With Asgro Roundup Ready to Extend Soybeans, you're equipped with 100% exclusive genetics and advanced weed protection, giving you the yield advantage you want and the weed control you need. Ask your local Asgro dealer how you can get up to $10 per acre back from Asgro and Roundup Ready Plus Crop Management Solutions or visit nebraska.asgro.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Next, we talk with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities about this tough day in livestock futures trading. Joe? Yeah, very tough day. 
started out lower and never, uh, really never looked back. Uh, just some occasional bounces uh, during the session. So uh, we had triple-digit losses in the cattle, the feeders, and in the hogs. Uh, so can't find too much uh, good news around uh, th- those markets today. Cutouts were uh, lowered in the uh, cattle, which obviously didn't help much. Haven't heard of any uh, trade of any consequences today. So uh, that did not help either. And uh, we just continued to see uh, massive uh, liquidation selling uh, coming into the market on uh, all three of those markets. The cutouts at noon and hogs was higher, but that didn't seem to uh, daunt uh, the sellers today and uh, just kept the pressure on right on through the session. So uh, getting off not to a very good start this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, we do have a cattle on feed report uh, coming up uh, on Friday, uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see a little short covering uh, prior to that. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, the news is going to have to get better or uh, we're going to continue with our slide. And possibly cash cattle could trade below 120 this week. Is that a possibility? It, it, it could be a possibility, yes, sir. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities, and you can get in touch with Joe Teal at 800-328-0134. That's 800-328-0134. For Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Dewey Nelson reporting on the Rural Radio Network. It all starts with a single sheet. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Mike Korn is president of the American Sheep Industry Association and is from New Mexico. He talks a little bit about his operation and the happenings right now in the industry. My personal sheep operation, I, we're a, a ewe lamb operation. Uh, we run uh, 1,500 or so ewes, and um, we run our lambs on through and, and have them processed have them through the feedlot. But uh, we also have a wool marketing business, and that's where most people know me is from the wool marketing sector. And They come to me and say, I'm a wool buyer, and I no, 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 don't call me a wool buyer, I'm a producer. But we also run cattle as well, and my family's been in the Roswell area for a long time, since the late 1800s, and so we're kind of established there in the New Mexico area. You did talk a little bit about how you want to see this industry grow, as we all that are in the sheep industry want to see it grow, and you guys have got an amazing program that has been underway to kind of help those with education and information within the industry. Absolutely. We have the Let's Grow program that ASI funded, committed to, uh, going on our fourth year, by the way, and uh, we committed a million and a half dollars for a three-year program, and then we extended it to a fourth, and um, and it's to fund uh, projects, uh, symposiums, worker production groups, uh, genetics, uh, genetic. We've been very instrumental in uh, helping with the uh, NSIP program to help get it kickstarted again, and so we've been real excited about it. And it's fun to go around the country and and uh, see uh, the fruits of our committee uh, coming to fruition now. And I hope in 10 years we can look back and say that's a direct result of what we planned and we uh, started. And I think the education that's there showing them that you don't have to have. 700 use you can have 10 use and make a difference oh yeah and there's getting to be a lot and a lot of those type producers out there which is another thing that's very encouraging 
from the eastern side of the country. The ethnic market has been so so prevalent and so um, so enlightening for the uh, producers. Cause at least there is a steady market there, and, and the prices on the ethnic side of things have stayed at a better level. And uh, so it's been intriguing. We have a lot of producers back east that, like you say, they don't have a lot of land, but they want something out there. And the next thing you know, they're loving it. They're getting into it, and they're they, they want they're asking questions. I've been to the Maryland Wool Festival and and watched people just stand in line, and they're not standing there to look at book look at uh, the show, how they're showing the animals or the fleeces. They're standing in line to buy books to learn more about the industry. And I thought, man, wow, look at that. Coming up, you do have your annual meeting that's going to take place this year in uh, Texas and San Antonio. Talk a little bit about the con convention that'll be coming up. Oh, the conventions are uh, ASI's, that's our big day, big week, and we have all of our councils and committees all meet uh, during that period of time. We set, uh, we set um, agendas for the coming year, we elect officers, um, it's a normal convention for most associations, but it's a way for everybody to get together and socialize as well, and San Antonio is a fun place to, to go. And people enjoy in San Antonio, and so it'll be the end of January and first of February. It's like January 30th through February 3rd. And of course, they can find out more by going to sheepusa.org. That's exactly right. And we'll look forward to seeing everybody there. Again, the website for further details on convention is sheepusa.org. My conversation with American Sheep Industry Association President Mike Korn. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Oh. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Advisor at uh, Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. So we reached uh, maybe some contract lows, five-week lows, or cl lowest close in a month, something like that, right? Yeah, a lot of lows. Uh, you know, essentially everything's pretty much been taken out now. We're, we're looking at lows all the way back to... Um, you know, some of the deferred contracts really back to a year ago uh, in September. So shorter term, you know, I think we'll probably see this bloodletting. I think this is more macro-based than anything. I know there's a lot of folks that you can pin it on farmer selling and, uh, you know, a lot of supply in the chain, especially on the corn side. But I really think looking at soybeans and then focusing over on some of the macro markets like crude oil, cattle, cotton that have all done really well the last couple of weeks. We're giving a lot of profits back down. I think grains have just caught up in the wash. Uh, you know, I think corn... You know, probably next week, two weeks, we probably see a test of that 330, 328 level, which was the September contract low. But, you know, this is where if you've made good sales, I think you got to step in and try it. I, I, I'm not a big fan of reowning, um, you know, markets like this, but, you know, this is where the value is. And nobody wants to take corn because the supply, you know, essentially a bid for supply and uh, at the, uh, or storage, rather. But, uh, you know, if you've got the wherewithal and you've made the good sales that, uh, you know, represent it, I think this is the time. You know, look at March, say, you know, sub 350 anywhere and just be able to hold it for the, the next two or three weeks. I think you'll do well. Now let's look at wheat because we staged winter wheat futures in a little bit of an upturn. Is this based on the crop progress of yesterday? Could be. I think it has a little more to do with spreading. I, you know, Chicago gained three cents on uh, on the KC today, which didn't really make a whole lot of sense. If you're looking for problems, I think you know directly south of you guys, it's dry, and we're going to enter some periods here where um, you know we could have some condition problems, and I think that would be a reason to buy wheat. But the real the the, the last year and a half really going back to the harvest of 2015, uh, the, the the time to buy is once we enter delivery, not pre-delivery, and we've got these three weeks ahead of us where we're going to have 
you know, folks really essentially who's raising their hand to say who wants supply, who wants to take physical delivery on. And I think you're going to see price need to come down a little bit for folks to do that. Uh, but again, I think the, the markets are there for uh, a reason. I think, you know, $4 wheat is probably in the cards here shorter term, but I think there's value if you can get the March some, somewhere on the 430, 440 level, um, and then just hold. Like I said, it's, it's about being able to hold right now. Don't get too myopic. You know, prices go on discount. They go on sale. You should be buyers, and, and I think too many folks are on the sell side here because they have to be. Um, so if you happen to have the, the equity and the wherewithal, I think time to step in. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Be sure to go to danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Ag Information and Markets at the Close brought to you by Central Valley Irrigation with locations in Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney. KRVN wants to see you at the McCook Farm and Ranch Expo. That's going on Wednesday and Thursday at the Red Willow County Fairgrounds. Stop by our booth and sign up to win a go light. Also, learn more about the KRVN and the River Mobile Apps and Alexa. We'll have plenty of information, people, to show you how it works. It's amazing technology. We'll see you at the McCook Farm and Ranch Expo.